housekeeping taken care of. Turn with us in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, Pastor David will be doing a series out of Acts and different places on the church. He'll be uh, uh, preaching on, you know, what we're to be as the church from house to house and in the temple and everywhere, so we'll be looking at that. But today we're looking at a, really a great example of a wonderful church and how they conducted themselves, even in the midst of tough times, even in the midst of uh, great persecution that the Jews were so against them and hindered them. The Apostle Paul uh, was, came there on his second missionary journey, and he was ministering to them. And, and because of the oppression of the Jews, he had to leave early. He had to leave before he was, felt like he was finished. So that's th what happened is he said, well, I'm going to send Timothy over there. They won't be so intimidated with Timothy. Well, Timothy went over and became a great man of God and, and helped them and ministered to them and taught them. And this uh, letter here is kind of uh, the report that Timothy brought back to the Apostle Paul and some areas that they needed work on. If you'll remember back in, uh, in Thessalonians, uh, it, they were talking about, they were concerned about those who had died in the Lord. They weren't even having burial ceremonies because they thought that, well, if we bury our family, if we put them in the grave, when Jesus comes back, he won't be able to take them. So he said, you will not prevent or you will not hinder or you will not uh, stop those who have fallen asleep because, and then he gives us that story of when the great shout comes. When the great shout comes, they'll ascend. So some things that they were struggling with, some things that were happening at, in Thessalonica, uh, Paul's addressing those things that uh, Timothy came back and reported to them. And what a, an exciting uh, church this was, even in the midst of all of their persecution. Even uh, verse number six, have received the word of with much affliction. So if you found your place here, uh, I know you were standing for a few moments, but let's, uh, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to try to read this whole chapter. Well, we're not going to try. We're going to do it. But uh, verse number 1, I'm reading from the New King James, uh, but it says, Paul, uh, so Silas, uh, Timotheus... Uh, and uh, to the church at Thessalonica, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you get that? I think that they're trying to let us know that this church is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in two sentences it, it uh, spoke that. He said, and we give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit with much assurance. And you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, 
And you became followers of us as the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So even in the midst of great affliction, great persecution, they received the word with great joy. So we can rejoice in that. So that we can... uh, so you became an example to all in Macedonia, Achaia, uh, who believed. And far from, uh, from you, the word of the Lord sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out. So that we do not need to say anything For they uh, themselves declared concerning us what manner of entering in we had uh, to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and wait for the Son from heaven who raised from the dead even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for an example of the church at Thessalonica. They were not a church that just uh, sat around in the building and did nothing, but they were a church uh, beyond the walls of the building. They were a a church beyond uh, the scope of just gathering together. They served together. And God, I just uh, pray that you would remove my stammering tongue, that you would fill me for the task that is at hand. And Lord, do within me that's impossible with this flesh alone, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through me. And God, we'll give you the praise, we'll give you the honor and the glory. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus we do pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we think about the church, uh, I, I titled this, The Church Has Left the Building. Because many times, if, you're not, if you think back to maybe churches you've been a part of, in your life, um, that it was all about, well, what can we do for the people sitting in the chairs? Back then, it was what people were do, what we would do for the people sitting in the pews, right? Uh, but what we, what can the church do for me? When people start shopping for churches, they want churches. That, they're shopping for a church that say, well, it meets my needs, and we want to do that. We desire to minister and meet the needs of people, especially if they have young children, they have youth, or if you're a college age, uh, those kind of things. We desire to, to meet those needs, but the ultimate goal is to get you involved in those ministries so you can go change the world. That's the ultimate purpose of the church, is to come and learn to go, not to come and sit and say, oh, I'm enjoying this, and my kids are safe, and it's a good place for them. And I'm going to just sit here and enjoy it while they're doing their thing. I'm going to sit over here and enjoy the music, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to have lunch. We're going to go to the restaurant, and we're going to have lunch. But God has a greater plan for your life than that. God has a greater plan for the church than us just coming together and then going to eat and living our lives and raising our families and making our money. Those kind of things. God has a greater plan and a greater purpose for your life. Do you want to live and pay taxes and then die? And in the process, take care of your family. I want to live and change the world I live in. I want to encourage you to change the world you live in. 
I don't want us just to go through and we come to life's end and we wonder what in the world did we ever, ever do. The church at Thessalonica was a church that, that changed their continent. It changed the whole continent. We'll look at that in a few moments. But as we come here uh, and, and think about uh, this, uh, the characteristics of a godly church are found in the church at Thessalonica. They had their problems. They had their suffers, they had their things, but they were a church that loved the Lord. So let's look at a few uh, things about the church at Thessalonica. It was a working church. We start with work, but we need to understand we don't work because uh, we're going to gain salvation, we're going to gain anything by work, but it, it is a working church, and that's what we find in the church. In verse number uh, 2 and 3, it said, Give thanks to God always for you, making mention to you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith your labor of love, your patience of hope. So we're going to look at those things in just a moment. This was a church that did not, that did not leave what was great and do something that wasn't. They did what was great. They followed what God wanted them to do. So it was a, a church that worked by faith, not by sight. You know, that's one thing I love about Living Hope. I, um, we've been here, Kathy and I and uh, Samuel have been here uh, since there was about 30 people sitting right here. So we've seen a few changes uh, over the years, and it's been so exciting that I was able to come on staff in January, and uh, it has... <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned that because it, it just blows my mind. But this church has, has been a church that has uh, tried to transform the world around not just to sit and, and focus on what's happening here. But it was a work of faith. And one thing that I, I remember in those early days, in those early days we had Ralph Motzinger, and I hope he may be watching this. Ralph Motzinger was one of those guys I wish, as I was pastoring for uh, 17 years, I always wish I had him in the, in the planning room. <laughs> We would look at last year's budget, we would look at this year's budget, and then we would start crunching numbers, and Ralph Motzinger would say, does God want us to do this? Then don't worry about, the don't worry about this. If God is telling us to do something, then let's not sit here and crunch the calculator. He wouldn't let us, we never brought a calculator a meeting because we knew Ralph would throw it out, and he would throw us out for a few minutes. But he would rebuke us. Uh, I've been sitting in elder meetings, and I've said, okay, you need to be careful what you're saying because Ralph's getting ready to rebuke you. Because we're talking. So it's, it was about faith. Ralph Motzinger, he, he's kind of homebound now. They, they don't get out very much uh, since COVID, but they still are an he's a, still an advisory elder for us here. But he is a man of faith. And this church is where it's at because of men of faith like that. And I'm glad I got to learn under some of those men. Uh, so this was a church that is their work of faith. Uh, they work, the, the work means to toil as an act of doing, of an employment or of a service, of doing something, or following uh, under a master. We've talked about, we've sung about a good, good father and how great is our God. Man, I was sitting there saying, I get to preach in the power of that God. 
I get to share in the power of that good, good Father. That He loves me so much. He loves you so much that He wants to do something magnificent through the work of your hands. Because guess what? You're the hands He has. You are the hands that He has to carry out the task. There's not a plan B. It's not do something else. He left us. We look at Jesus. He was the light of the world. But when Jesus left, you know what he said? He said, you're the light of the world. You're not just the light of Athens, but you're the light of the world. James talks about, he said, you show me. Uh, there's a lot there. I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of it. You know what James talks about. You know, he's kind of where the rubber meets the road. He said, if you're say you're saved, you ought to live it, right? That's what James always said. He said, hey, I'll show you my faith by my work. Let me just back up and read that. But someone may say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So the, the church at Thessalonica was about faith. It was a work of faith. It was not a work of necessarily toiling, but it was an, a, a faith of believing that God could part the waters, that God could do the extraordinary that God could do uh, something miraculous through you. I'm not talking to the person beside you. I'm talking to you. He's wanting to do it in your life, in your heart. And it's a labor of love. Man, it's exciting to serve Jesus, isn't it? Man, I've done a few other things. I worked in carpet mills. I worked for Shaw Industries for nine years. I worked for another company for nine years. It seemed like I was 999. But... Um, but I've done those things. I even raised chickens for less than nine years. <laughs> uh, yes, God, that'll bring the Lord out in you. <laughs> that'll teach you a few things. Uh, but thanks be to God uh, who giveth us the victory. But that's a God who, a labor of love. Man, it, it, you know what? You're nervous. You're going to do something for the Lord. You're going to witness to somebody. You're going you're gonna to be like, uh, you're going to be like Clayton, and you're, you're training somebody to work out. But then, then you, the Lord starts coming into the conversation and starts weaving through. So it's, that's, that's what you do. You do your task. Man, I used to work with a guy. He was a believer. Man, he was fired up for Jesus. But the, the bosses would have to come and tell him, you need to get back to work. That's not a good testimony. Do your work. Be the best worker on the job. But when you get an opportunity, use it for the glory of God. Use it to open those doors up. And then we heard the testimony of just, just opening those doors up on our workplace that we get to lead somebody to Christ. Man, that's a labor of love, isn't it? But you're nervous. I said all that to say when, you, when you're going to share with somebody, man, you're scared to death. But when you start laboring in it and you start sharing in it and seeing the fruits of it and seeing God do something that you can't do and changing somebody's life, man, that's a labor of love. Man, that's an agape love. That's, not, that's a love that speaks higher than, than what I, I want. You know what? We, we love ourselves, don't we? And the Bible tells us that we, we should love others as we love ourselves. But um, as we think about it, this labor of love, Hebrews, Hebrews tells us, look at a few. I said, let us consider one another stirring up, or the King James said provoking, 
are sharpening us alongside love uh, to, and do good works. Provoking people to do good works. Provoking people. That's literally what the, the, the Scripture says, is stir up love and good works. The next part of that says, fail not to assemble together. So stir up good works and, and say, hey, by the way, you ought to show up at church. <laughs> by the way, you know, you ought to be at church because that's what the Bible said. But stir up love. You know what the world wants to stir up is hate. And I'm not, I, I, I'm, I thank God that he allows us to love the whole world in spite of what people do or what people say. I'm not going to get political or anything like that. I want to let you know that love came from God. And we love Him because He first loved us. God showed us what love was, and He taught us how to love. Before I met Christ, I really wasn't sure what love was. I had a few ideas as a lost man what love was, and I found out that had nothing to do with love. But love is what I've experienced over the last 33, literally 35 years with Kathy. That, that love that, that grows in a bond of marriage, but that love that grows in a, a relationship with God. Because God has a great plan and a great purpose for you. So it's a labor of love. You might be nervous about it, and I said that, but I want you to get that. Just push through, push through. And watch God love through you. Love the unlovable. Love those who don't want to be loved. Anyway, just love them anyway for the glory of God. So not only is it a labor of love, but it's patience and hope. You start loving somebody, and then it starts breaking the ice. The shell starts breaking off. And then you, 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 you continue to be patient about it. You continue to be patient of what God's wanting to do. Patience means endurance, or the ESV translated steadfastness. It refers to the quality and character of which does not allow us to surrender to circumstances. It does not allow us to surrender to circumstances. The church at Thessalonica did not allow their circumstances to stop them in the hope that they have. And sometimes we, the Bible talks about without a vision, the people perish, and then we get hope in the vision that we have, and then somebody squelches that. Something happens and squelches that, and we start losing it, but we still have hope. This is not a hope so, this is a no so hope. This is I know so. The hope that I have in the Lord is a, is a hope that I am fully assured that God will fulfill his plan because he gave me the promise. He showed me the vision. Uh, I'll date myself. In 1986, I announced my calling to preach. Um, and a pastor a retired pastor, he was kind of our pastor emeritus of our church. He came to me and he says, never deny in the dark what God showed you in the light. You get that? Man, when you're close to God and when you're worshiping God and God reveals some truth to you, 
and then you start having a bad day because things start going wrong, you start denying what God showed you when you were in the light, in the glory. You start denying what God showed you in the glory, and you're sitting over here in the dark, sad and sorrowful. Never deny in the dark. Just keep trusting God in the dark. Keep trusting God in the tough times. The church at Thessalonica, the oppression of the Jews, and so many others that were coming against them, they just kept on and kept on. Man, the, the, the more they pressed on, so they... Uh, Let's, let's read this verse. This is in the New Living Translation. Um, Romans 5. It says, uh, We can rejoice to when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence, a hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly uh, God loves us. Listen to that, that point right there. How dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. A patience of hope, that's where it comes in, the labor of love and carrying out the task that God has in store for us. So not only is it a working church, but the church is a church, that, a witnessing church. Our next slide talks about it's a witnessing church. Let's look at uh, verse number 5. And then he tells us, and says that the gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with much assurance. As you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us. They could witness because of how it came. Look at this. It came in power. Acts 1.8 said, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. That's that dynamos power. That's where we get the word dynamite. Uh, comes from that word. That's the power that shows up in you. So they were demonstrating the power of God in the midst of affliction, in the midst of what's going on, and the Holy Spirit there to guide them and to teach them in all the ways, and then with much assurance. We can rest assured that God loves you. We can rest assured that God has a plan for you. We can rest assured that He works all things around for His good and His glory, that He's got a purpose and He's got a plan for your life. You can rest assured in the hope that we have in Him as, as, as God works in and through. So it's a witnessing church that it allows the power to work in through us. They witness by example. Look at verse number 7 there. It says, So... Uh, that you became an example to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. So you, can't, you became an example. You know what set the example? You know what, there are people that set the bad example in life. Yeah, I had friends that they were always the bad example. Uh, I had some good friends that, uh, that set good examples that I wanted to, to maybe aspire to one day when... when 
I got a little older, but then when I trusted Christ as my Savior, we need to set that example that God has. Paul set the example before the, uh, uh, the church at Thessalonica. Timothy came in and set the example. Now this church is setting an example to the, the whole region, and we'll look at that a little bit more in, a, in just, a, just a second. They witnessed by example in uh, Macedonia and Achaia, I guess that's our region and our area. The way they conducted their lives, the way they handled the persecution, they knew God had a plan. We're going we're gonna, to, in this life, we're going to have trials and tribulation. What did Jesus say? In this world, you shall have tribulation. Or you're going to have trouble. But then he said, be of good cheer. He said, be of good cheer. Now, I'm having trouble. I'm at the hospital or I'm at the doctor's office with a diagnosis of cancer. And how in this life with these trials and these troubles, you know what? Jesus knew exactly what you were going to be going through when he made that next statement, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And this is just for a period of time. In this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've already, so we can have cheer in the midst of persecution. We can have cheer in the midst of, uh, of cancer diagnosis or sickness or my dear friend with MRIs and shots in the back and those kind of things that we can still enjoy the presence of an almighty God that he has our best interest at hand. We're going to go through some stuff down here because these bodies are falling. Then at age 35, and I'm just a little bit older than that now, <laughs> at age 35, I started feeling my first pains. When I'd play ball or when I'd do something, I just started feeling... And it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> but that's because this body is dying. <laughs> it, it, it grows for a little while, and then it gets it's cute, and then it gets not, and <laughs> then it dies. So that, that's, that's what we do. That's what this life holds. But guess what? God's got a great plan, and I have found that God has grace for every stage. God has grace. I have a, a mentor friend. He's in his 80s now. He's been on staff for Campus Crusade for Christ for over 40 years. Crew to you new people. <laughs> uh, some of you don't know who that, but they changed their name from Campus Crusade to Crew. Uh, but he, uh, he's getting a few pains, and he tells me periodically, getting old's not for sissies. He said, it's not for sissies, but God's grace is sufficient. But God's grace is sufficient. So this life, we're going to have problems. We're going to have trials. We're going to have persecution. But be that example for those. They witness by example. You know what? You know what can set a great example when something bad's going through your life and you've got a smile on your face and you're saying you're trusting in God is one of the greatest examples that you can set. That's one of the greatest 
idea, the greatest example. They witness by the word of the Lord, because that's where it's all at, right? Look at verse number 8. It said, and uh, I know 8's in my Bible. For, uh, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also to every place your faith toward God has gone out. So they witnessed by, and, and it says, so that we need not to speak anything. So they witnessed by example. They sounded forth the word of God. You know what? This is kind of like the town crier. You remember, you remember in history class, the British are coming, the British are coming. I'm dating myself. I'm, I, hope, I hope we're still learning those kind of things. <laughs> I hope we're still learning some of that. But the, the, Brit, you know, the town crier comes through on his horse, and he's lighting candles, and he's lighting lampposts, and he's saying, the British are coming, announcing we're to be Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. We're to be telling people that God loves them. We're to be the town criers crying out that God loves. If we're laboring in love, man, I'm reminded when I was in uh, Bible college, we used to, us pastors used to go out in campus, different areas, and one team went one way and we went another way, and just, uh, you know, just kind of blanketing areas. This group came back and said they ran into a Hindu man. They said they ran into a Hindu man and they were witnessing to him. And the Hindu man looked at them. Pastor told a similar story to this a couple weeks ago, but this happened at, uh, where I was. But um, they came back, and the guy, they told us what the man said. He said, you know, if I believed what you believe about heaven and hell, he said, I would crawl on my hands and knees to every person in this city and tell them about Jesus if I believed what you believe. And you know, it, that kind of struck home, and I've thought about that ever since then. That was probably 1988. That if we really believed what we say we believe, we don't have to go tell everybody. We don't have to be like others who go and tell people to merit being of the 144,000. They've already surpassed that, so they missed it. But um, we don't have to do that, but we get to do that. We have that privilege to do that, that we get to be the town crier. Let's look at the, let's look at the region. I'm going to, in every place, we're going to look at this map. Let's go to the next map. It's a little bigger. Okay, I was looking at this. Thessalonica is up in the little cove there. So Thessalonica is there. Ma uh, Macedonia is down here, and this little island right here is Achaia. And as I was looking at this, they reached out that whole region, literally that, that whole peninsula. And then I, th I saw, as I was looking at that, I saw Athens right there, and I said, what a great example of teaching us of how far we ought to reach. But it, it says, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but everywhere. And then Kathy and I got to talking and thinking, and I made a couple of notes here. Rich Sepleta, 
is right now in UK on the streets telling people about Jesus. Gip Marchetti is in Indonesia. We prayed him out a couple of weeks ago. Madison is in Tanzania. Gemma is in Ethiopia. The Richardsons and the Lindsays are in Bosnia. And Sarah, nobody knows where Sarah is. <laughs> um, that's one of those private ones. But, um, and then Pastor David and myself had this awesome privilege to go every year to Uganda. We went to Zambia also in Ethiopia after our Uganda trip. So we're noising abroad. Living hope is reaching the world. Just recently, uh, our outreach ministry with Rich and Mary Catherine Sapleta, uh got a call from Canada. And the outreach of trying to uh, find places uh, for babies or baby needs, somebody in Canada heard about a place that some people in Athens to help with needs. They went on, we had a baby shower for somebody who was going to keep a baby in Canada. I mean, that, that's exciting. Let's give God a praise for that. <laughs> that we are being known abroad for the glory, the glory of God. You get to be a part of that. You, you can touch that family in Canada. You can touch those families in uh, Bosnia. You can touch those families in, in ministering to the needs of those. So they witnessed um, by the word of the Lord, sounding it forth everywhere they went. They witnessed by their faith. They believed God for something greater. They believed God in every place your faith toward God has been gone out or spread abroad. The old King James said it's spread abroad. It's everywhere that what you've done is there. My favorite verse in the scripture, uh, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us, to him be, be the church be glorified that the glory of God be revealed in the church, in your life, in our lives, for His glory and His power and His majesty. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. I'm glad I didn't have to repeat to say that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Another verse of Scripture I read just a few years, I'd read it a dozen times, but it just kind of hit me, and I didn't even write it in my notes, but it just came to my mind. Anything that's done without faith is sin. And I'll look that verse of Scripture up and give you the reference later. I don't have it in my mind. But everything that's done without faith is sin. And it's in Hebrews also. We'll look that up so you can see me afterwards or send me an email. So not only they witnessed by their faith, they believed God for the extraordinary. They believed God could do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or think. That's what they believed God for. Are you believing God for something that great? This verse was my last verse in 2017 when I had the privilege the first time to go to Uganda. And I'm going to share a quick 
quick story. This was kind of my first verse. I, first year, I chose that first time going to Uganda. And I usually have a verse for the year, and sometimes I see things happen through it. This 2017, with this being my life's verse that year, man, I saw God do some stuff that there's no humanly way possible that I could do it. And, and it wasn't because of me, but it was because of God working through me. And I, he, I just happened to be in the place where he was moving. And so it's, it's so exciting that I want to find myself in those places to where God can use me to do something that I can't do in my flesh. That I can do something that I cannot do and just countless thousands of people being drawn to the Lord, God moving through. Pa Pastor David preached almost, I think, 28 times that week. <laughs> that's something that's humanly impossible, <laughs> except for the power of God. It gave me a couple opportunities, to, more opportunities to preach because he'd wake up and would have a voice. He'd say, okay, you're on today. Uh, so that's when God had to show up. So God wants to show up, not only in Uganda, but God wants to show up in Athens. God wants to show up right here in your life and in our lives. So they witness by faith. But not only is it a witnessing church, but it's a worshiping church. And I love that about Living Hope. We are a worshiping church. We're a worshiping church. Let's look at what it says in verse number 9. It said they turn, let's see, for they themselves declared concerning what manner of entering in we had for you, how that you, this, is, this was the testimony. There's a lot, of, there was a lot of idol worship going on in Thessalonica, and everybody's probably thinking, Thessalonica, man, that's the idol worship. We can go down there and get an idol, or we can go down there and worship idols, we can go do that. But what was sounding forth, what was going out through the region, the whole continent, was how you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God. That here we are facing our... Well, let's go this way because the cross is over there. <laughs> here we are worshiping our idols. It might be square and it sits in our... It's 55 inches and it sits in our living room. Or it may be in a... Uh, semi-oval uh, stadium. It might be those kind of things. It might be all those kind of things. Now you're meddling, pa Pastor. Uh, it, it might be those kind of things. But what, whatever it was, maybe a sculpture, a calf, or something that they were worshiping, they turned from that to serve a living and a true God. They did that to, uh, because they knew that that could give them more hope. That could give them more victory. That could bring them through the trials. That could bring them through the persecution. That could bring them through death. That could bring them through sorrow. That could bring them through heartache. That could bring them through a child dying as an infant. That could bring them through that. That could take them nowhere. They worshiped God. And they carried out a great work because they turned. The word there is repent. 
They turned to serve a living and what? A true God. The living and true God that could literally do something about their problems, their issues, their family, whatever it was, they figured it out. Have you figured it out today that God has a plan for you? Oh. The, in Thessalonians chapter 2, we, we turn chapter 2 verse 9. It said, in our hope and our joy and our crown of rejoicing, it is not even in your presence of our Lord Jesus coming. For you are our glory and joy. Paul is saying, the way you conduct your life, the way you worship the true and the living God, is our crown of joy. Is our crown of joy that we wear. They get to go other places and brag on the church at Thessalonica. They get to brag on what Jesus is doing and God's doing through the hearts and lives of the people at Thessalonica. So not only are they a worshiping church, they, they did not have to give up everything. They didn't have to give up anything. They gained everything. And if you'll do that for a period of time, if there's something that you might be focused on a little bit too much, if you would just lay it down, you can fast it. Let's just do that. Let's fast it because it may have too much focus on your mind. I remember years ago, deer hunting, I used to, people don't like to talk about deer hunting, I think, but I used to be glad when deer season was over so I could get it off my mind. I was glad that I could get it. Some of you saying, it's never off my mind. <laughs> but I was glad it was off my mind and I could move on to other things. So sometimes you just have to lay something down for a period of time, fast it for a little while, and just give God the glory. And you know what? If you really need it, or if God wants to give it to you because it's a desire of your heart, he'll bring it back through. And he'll give it back to you. He'll say, it's okay to do this. Just keep it in perspective. It's okay to do this, but just keep it in perspective. Understand that. God, they were a worshiping church. This we don't hear a whole lot of. The next one, they were a watching church. We don't talk a whole lot about the second coming. But I'm reminded of a very corny. Y'all let me this last little corny story. It's kind of like the, the older couple's laying in the bed and their alarm clock is, or it's chimes and it chimes and it keeps chiming. They're counting the chimes and it goes 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Honey, get up. What is it? I don't know, but it's later than it's ever been. Right now, here and now, I hadn't told that in a while. Probably won't tell it in a while, in, in a long <laughs> But uh, it's later than it's ever been. We need to understand that. Man, they, they, were, they were preaching when I was a, a baby about Jesus coming back. That doesn't change the fact. That just means it's closer. That just means it's, it's closer. But look at what verse number 10 says. 
It says, in, uh, to what? For the, to wait. I've got a line drawn through that for some reason. Uh, to wait for the Son from heaven, who raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. So they were waiting and they were watching for the Lord to come. They knew it was going to happen. That's why they were having those problems when, and that I talked about in the introduction. They thought if they buried their loved ones, they would be hindered during the rapture. What did the, the Apostle Paul, as he penned this, he said, the dead in Christ shall rise. We, the Apostle Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime. He said, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's what Thessalonians says. He said, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So Paul thought he was going to, he said, you're not going to hinder them. Go ahead and have your ceremonies. Go ahead and have your funerals. But he said, they wait from heaven for him. Um, they wait for his son from heaven. I think we need to get our eyes not to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, but that we have got our mind focused on what is good and what God has a plan and what God's purpose is. The church at Thessalonica had left the building. They had left the building. Let's recap everything that we've looked at. It's a worshiping, or a working church. It's a church that witnessed. As you are going, that's literally what it means, as, uh, go into all the world. As you are going, just share. Maybe a clerk. Maybe a clerk at a store. Just give them a little nugget of God. Give them a little nugget of how much Jesus loves them today. Tip a waitress real well and tell them about Jesus. Don't tip them real poorly and tell them about Jesus. Do it the other way. Tip them real well and say, you know, I gave this to you because Jesus loves you. And it'll, wake the, it'll open their mind. And it'll open their heart. And it'll plant a seed that somebody else will come along and, and water. So they are a witnessing, they're a worshiping, and they're a watching church. Are you being the church today? Are you being the church outside this building? Are you being the church that God wants you to be as the worship team is coming? Think about it. You kind of heard a great example of the church at Thessalonica. And I hope I laid you a great example of the church of living hope that we're desiring to, to minister to those outside these walls for the glory and honor of God. And we're going to sing a, a song in just a moment. The, the prayer team's getting ready uh, to go to the sides and be available for you for prayer. And whatever the need is, maybe you just want to come down here and say, okay, God, I just want, I want to be the church. The church is not this structure. You're the church. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we pray your power, your blessings, your 
my be on the hearts and lives of each one that have gathered this way today. Nobody's here by chance. They're here by your divine plan and your divine purpose. Those watching online, God, you know what needs they have in their lives. Minister to those needs. Bring glory and honor to you. Let us do in this invitation time what we gladly done when we stand in your presence on that great and glorious day. There's somebody here don't know Jesus as their Savior. One of our counselors would love to lead you to Christ. They'd love to lead you to the throne.